Welcome to David Clark's We Are Superman podcast, episode number 131. I am your host, Bill Stahl, and this is the Power Play. How do you like that? I've added the sound of a power play goal. So today I would like to talk with you about resilience, uh, certainly a subject that has uh, come into play very strongly during this pandemic. But uh, before I get into that, uh, I some uh, news of the week, if you would. I had my annual physical, and a couple of things that came out of it that were kind of enlightening. One was uh, my... Um, the, the lower number on cholesterol, the LDL cholesterol, the, the bad cholesterol, my number has come down quite a bit. And so during the past year, I've really taken a lot to try to reform a lot of my uh, my nutrition, going to a more whole food plant-based diet. Oop, and that noise there is uh, Bernie the cat bumping into the microphone here. Uh, Bernie is way too big to uh, be on my desk here. This is a giant-sized cat, but he's very affectionate. So he's he's hanging out here wanting to be part of the podcast here. Uh, Bernie named after Bernie Williams of the New York Yankees, for those of you uh, who are wondering there. Uh, and definitely a Red Sox killer, by the way. But in any case... Um, as I mentioned, I've been trying to eat a lot healthier, um, eat far, and I haven't been perfect, but trying to trend more and more towards a whole food plant-based diet. And I think it shows in the numbers. So, uh, you know, if any of you ever had doubts about needing to change some of your um, dietary habits, getting rid of a lot of processed food in my diet, and uh, again, eating more plants uh, is definitely showing some results right there uh, with my LDL number coming down pretty significantly. My doctor was pretty surprised to see that. Uh, the other one, I don't know if there's a connection here or not, but my PSA number came down. And for, for you men, you know what PSA is. It stands for, I think it's prostate-specific antigen. And um, over the years, um, that number goes up for every man, uh, prostates enlarge. And um, I had gotten to the point probably about, oh, I don't know, eight, 10 years ago, where my numbers started getting a little bit alarming to my doc. I think I was over 6.0 at one point, resulting in my having to go in for biopsies. Um, and one thing I'll tell you men right away is... Um, when you go in for one's biopsies, it is definitely worth going in for the high-tech biopsies that they have now. They did mine with like ultrasound and MRIs, whatever they use there. But um, they say that if they find that you are cancer-free with one of those, you won't have to go back again next time your PSA number goes up. Whereas the old traditional biopsies, uh, you could be going in every year as that PSA number goes up. Um, so, so that was a little bit of a learning right there that definitely you want to go that high tech route. It's, it's definitely worth it. Um, but here's one, this is something that, that is really interesting that apparently a lot of doctors don't know about. And I probably could have been spared all of this going in for biopsies and, and finding out exactly what was going on. Apparently heavy exercisers have their PSAs uh, elevate. And it is especially true among ultra marathoners. And, you know, some theory is that, you know, you're bouncing around a lot and what, whatever, and you, the number goes up for whatever reason. But like my general practitioner who first recommended that I go in for the, um, for the biopsies or to go see a, a urologist about all that, 
Um, he was unaware of that at the time. Uh, I, I guess it's not really widely known because they're, you know, ultra marathoners are a small percentage of the overall population. But apparently anybody who exercises heavily may see their PSA number go up. And especially that's true with ultra marathoners. So as it turns out, even though my number was high, uh, fortunately, they uh, d- decided I did not have any kind of cancer to worry about there. Now, one thing that's been interest was interesting is that when I had this uh, latest physical done, my PSA number has come down significantly. It was uh, like four point seven or something like that. As I said at one time, it was over six. That's a number that almost never comes down in a man. Uh, generally, that number just keeps rising and rising over your lifetime, with maybe some small fluctuations. So to see a drop like that, I kind of wonder if it's not related somehow to the change in my diet. Uh, I totally anecdotal. Don't have any idea whether that's true or not. So kind of an interesting uh, results uh, from the uh, physical I had this week. But overall, uh, I'm in good health. (laughs) Orthopedically, that's a whole nother story. Still trying to get through so I I can uh, work out a whole lot more. So and speaking of which, you know, when I was preparing for this podcast episode, um, a couple things happened that really to add to what I was going to discuss already. Matter of fact, today I was on my way to the gym as I go there every Sunday morning, and I know there are a couple speed traps along the way. And, you know, I I somehow just, I let down my guard. Uh, I was on a road that's usually really busy. There was no traffic. And I've been trying really, really hard not to speed. I'm a New Yorker. I'm a born lead foot. And um, my insurance rates are just ridiculously high with the vehicle that I drive. So I've been trying really hard to not speed, not get in trouble. And uh, I got pulled over. So, um, and you know, the cop comes up and he asks me, you know, how's your day as they usually do? And I told him, hey, it's great. You know what? Despite the fact that he was about to write me up for a ticket, I think he hit me for going 16 over the speed limit. Um, You know what? I was on the way to the gym, and the gym is always my happy place. Um, You you know, uh, I I like to get there early in the morning and get in a good workout. I'm usually at the gym for no less than two and a half to three hours um, because I get a lot done when I'm there. But um, you know what? Something like that wasn't going to ruin my day. And, uh, you know, again, that goes points a little bit towards resilience. You know, it's like, it's just money. Okay. I mean, it sucks. I've got to pay a fine. I'm going to not see my insurance rates come down. It's just money. You know, overall in the big picture of things, um, yeah, I could have spent that money on something else uh, much more happily. But in the end, you know what? I, I got to the gym, got a good workout. And I was determined not to let this ruin my day. And I know a lot of people who are just really bad morning people. And it drives me nuts. I mean, nothing against these people personally, but there's certain people who they just look at you like they they give you daggers in their eyes first thing in the morning. It doesn't matter what you've done or whatever. It has nothing to do with you. It's just they are just bad morning people. And, And I've never liked that attitude. To me, having a bad morning attitude is a choice. I think you can definitely change that. And um, you know, when I get up, get up in the morning, I'm excited for the day. I am really looking forward to what I can accomplish. I always have a huge to-do list. It's just something that, that it is in my nature. I, I've got a lot of stuff going on all the time. And I just, like I said, hop out of bed. I want to get to it. I, I want to get a jump on all those things I want to do. So I, I am most productive first thing in the morning. And I, I love to race to it. If I get in a good workout, better yet. And someone with a cop pulls me over. I told him the truth. I'm having a great day. 
you know, despite the fact that he's about to hand me some bad news, I'm just not going to let it change me. And I, I went to the gym today and, uh, you know what? I had a good workout. Uh, I've been struggling as a lot of, you know, with a hamstring issue that has gone on since last September. I've had a foot issue that's gone on for more than three years, but I got on the treadmill today. I actually ran continuously for 40 minutes, which doesn't sound like much for a guy who's used to running a hundred miles, but you know what? That's the longest continuous run I've had in quite a long time. And albeit, I find it easier to run on the treadmill. Uh, if I get out on the road, I'm probably not going to be able to do that length of run. But, you know, it, it, it's progress. And so, again, it's part of the resilience of, you know what, you can take all these setbacks. Uh, we are built to come back. And, you know, that's what our country's going through right now is, you know, we, we are built to come back. We've been hit with a pretty hard body blow or shot to the groin, whatever you want to call it with this pandemic in the last year plus. But you know what, this country is resilient and, uh, and people are coming back. And so uh, that brings me to a second story that uh, this one just happened here over the last couple of days in the world of PGA golf. Uh, Bryson DeChambeau, who uh, some of you may know, uh, he who wears one of those, oh gosh, what do you call it? One of those Ben Hogan type caps when he plays golf. The guy is just a huge hitter. He, he's the longest driver on the PGA Tour. He just smacks the heck out of the ball. Uh, super nice guy. Uh, I, I've really enjoyed watching him. I've become a fan of his over the last couple of years. But he was playing at the Wells Fargo Cup tournament in Charlotte, North Carolina, and he did not have a, a good first two rounds, and uh, he stormed off the course. He was he was very upset with the way he was playing. I think he had a couple of double bogeys, maybe a triple bogey on Friday, and he was in 90th place when he left the course, and because approximately the top 64 golfers were going to make the cut to play this weekend, he well, he left. He uh, hopped on a plane, uh, a private plane in, in his case. These guys do make enough money to afford that. And he headed back home to Dallas, where he lives. Well, after he left, uh, I guess it got crazy wind there. And all of a sudden, everybody's scores started ballooning. He got a text while he was on the plane back to Dallas saying that he, um, that he might make the cut. And by the time he landed in Dallas, he found out that indeed so many other golfers had had inflated scores from the rough conditions that indeed he had made the cut right on the line. In other words, uh, one stroke worse in his score and he would not have made the cut. But in this case, he, he actually made it. So uh, I think a lot of us may have said, well, screw it. You know what? I've just come all the way home from Charlotte back to Dallas. I, I mean, it would take a whole lot to get back there to play. But, you know, he felt a certain amount of loyalty, he said, to the sponsors and to the fans. And so uh, he made the decision that he was going to go back. Now, the plane wasn't going to be ready to go back because of flight, uh, I think they have to do like uh, equipment inspections and refueling. It wasn't going to be ready to go back until 2.45 a.m. Dallas time. So he had some time. He said he got in a workout. He uh, had dinner. He slept for about five hours got on the plane at 2.45 in the morning and flew back to Charlotte. Uh, made it back there with a little bit of time to spare, went out and shot a pretty good round of golf. And then Sunday, today, he shot another good round of golf, ended up finishing in ninth place overall, having been at one time 90th place and, uh, you know, as I said, qualified or basically made the cut as the 64th golfer in the field. And that netted him, I mean, I got to pull out my sheet of paper, I wrote this down, 
uh, $228,825. So despite the fact that uh, he had to probably uh, you know pay the cost of a private plane ride, uh, I would imagine uh, that was a, a, a fraction of that amount. He um, obviously paid off very well, so he showed some resilience there. And uh, you know, again, he could have let it get to his head. Both the fact he was playing terribly, both the fact that he'd already flown all the way home, he it would have been very, fun, you know, would have been okay to probably just crack a beer and lay on the uh, couch this weekend. But instead, he made it back and uh, and managed to end up with a great result. Uh, it shows you you can be resilient, turn things around. So I thought that was pretty cool. And. Uh, this past week uh, was the first week of track meets for high school athletes in Colorado in almost two years. Uh, the pandemic, of course, called off the 2020 track season. Our state meet was in uh, just before Memorial Day of 2019. And this year, the track season has been pushed off till May and June. So this week was the first week, uh, first track meets in Colorado in almost two years. And I got to see the kids out there uh, running and throwing and jumping. It, it was really cool. And I, uh, this season, I am working as a meet official. So um, I, I decided to take this season off from coaching. Things have just been kind of, you know, pretty, pretty messed up with everything. So um, I work as either track referee, field referee, uh, starter, clerk, um, you, you know, Basically, all those roles that you see the uh, guys, I, I always joke, I dress as a human highlighter. I'm wearing those bright neon green or neon orange shirts out there, and I'm working as a track meet official. And um, on Tuesday, I was actually the referee for the very first meet in Colorado. And there was one girl who was lined up on the uh, in the very first event, the girls' medley, which is a 100 to 100 to 200 to 400. So it's a kind of a funky relay. And there was only one team in the girls' medley in this first meet. And I got to tell this girl, I said, you are the first person to run in Colorado in a track meet in almost two years, which was kind of cool little uh, bit of, uh, uh, what, what do you call it? Uh, not trivia, but um, uh, I don't know. <laughs> but in any case, uh, I, so uh, I got to be part of four meets this week. So I, I was busy out there uh, firing the gun or you know, refereeing, as I said. And but the one thing I noticed it was the resilience of the kids and the coaches and everybody out there. Uh, you know, there was a lot of talk during the pandemic about how much the kids psychologically were struggling with what was going on out there. And you know, I, I'm sure there were kids who were struggling out there. And I guess I only see a certain element of of kids because I see the athletes; those are the ones that I know, and, and most of them seem to be handling it very well. Um, you know, I, I talked to them and they're like, yeah, we're doing remote learning. It's not great, but you know, it, it's okay. I still, you know, I can talk to my friends and, uh, you know, most of them were taking it in stride. I, I was really, really impressed to hear how these kids were, were handling it. Um, you know, some of them were missing homecomings and proms and most of them were like, well, you know what? Th those things aren't the biggest things in the world anyway. I mean, a lot of them, yeah, they did miss playing sports that that was kind of tough. They were, you know, sometimes just, you know, working out, running on their own and sometimes they didn't have places to go and I know it was tough, but um, but most of these kids told me they were doing okay. And I'm not discounting the uh, adults who said, hey, my kids are struggling, whatever. Again, there are kids in different areas that I don't get to see. But, but what I did see, like I say, were the athletes this week in, in four different track meets. And, you know, they adapted. They were wearing masks, and, and, you know, except when they were actually competing and, and following rules that were out there. And, um, you know, it's weird. 
it, it's definitely different than track meets were two years ago, but you know what? They, in a lot of ways, they look very familiar. We ran all the same events. Uh, in fact, there was a kid in Colorado who broke the state 1600 meter record, uh, the, the, roughly the mile. Um, 1600. This is a record that had stood in Colorado for 40 years. A uh, very elusive record. The record had been 410 set back in 1980. And well, I guess 41 years. And so uh, this kid from Cherry Creek High School here by the name of Parker Wolf ran a 406.27. Uh, so shattered that record that had stood for more than 40 years. And so, you know, despite everything and and he did it in a little dinky meet he didn't even have competition it was the first meet he ran so despite all that he was obviously training hard and he was ready to rock and roll but uh you you know my point overall is that the kids are resilient and uh, you know we they always say that we adults can learn from kids in a lot of ways well in this case i think we really could learn from these kids you know they 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 went out there they enjoyed themselves doing track and field just the way they used to do and and um, you know nobody was complaining. No, no, you know obviously you know nobody enjoyed missing um, the season last year. It, it was it was funny because uh, there are actually some new rules in track and field from last year that never got to be implemented. So um, you already had two years of kids, basically anybody who wasn't a junior or above. A lot of them were running their first ever high school track meets. And so uh, a lot of cases, we officials are sitting there herding kittens, showing kids where to line up and where to put the hip numbers on on their uniforms and just every little detail because they were unfamiliar. Most of these kids had only had about a week of practice anyway. And so even their own coaches hadn't been able to really school them very well on what they needed to do. And then you throw in the fact that the exchange zones for the sprint relays are different. Uh, There's also a new rule that you can't run backwards on the horizontal jump runways so uh, to avoid collisions out there so kids who may have been used to getting their steps in the long and triple jumps suddenly couldn't do that anymore uh, the same way they were used to so uh, you know a lot of new things to get used to but you know what they, they were resilient and uh, like I say there was an awful lot to learn from the way the kids handled the whole thing and the coaches as well I give them an awful lot of credit because they've had to deal with this and uh, you know with a track season thrown together here and even at an unfamiliar time of year you know it was uh, we're used to starting back in March and, and uh, we're going to have to be dealing with a lot warmer weather than we're used to in Colorado for our track meets. But, you know, resilience is something that you can certainly apply in your own lives. I mean, there, there are a lot of things that happen, as I've described in these three stories today, that you, sometimes you just have to let things bounce off your back and or roll off your back, I guess is the expression, and and move forward. Uh, you know, things happen. We, we all have our share of... Uh, difficulties. A lot of people have lost jobs. A lot of people gotten sick. A lot of people, unfortunately, lost their lives. But, you know, in a lot of cases, uh, you know, moving forward is all about resilience. And this country is going to get back to the way it was at some point, hopefully build back stronger, as they say. But, um, you know, keep moving forward. Uh, that resilience will serve you well. And it all, again, goes back to the positive attitude that, you know, nothing's going to keep us down. You know, the only thing that can keep you down is yourself. It's all about your own attitude. If you want to be a bad morning person, well, guess what? Every morning's going to be bad for you. And that's just the way it's going to be until you change your attitude. And again, you can have a better attitude about the morning. You can have a good attitude about resilience. You can start off your day, you know, charging out of bed, kind of pretty similar to the way that I do. And I'm not saying that I am uh, perfect all the time, but, you know, definitely uh, resilience will help you have a a better outcome with most of the things in your life. Thank you again for listening to the We Are Superman podcast. 
If you wish to support the podcast, the easiest and most impactful way is to subscribe to it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And please just take a minute and give it a five-star rating. These five-star ratings help us rise higher in the podcast services search algorithms, helping more people find our show. I would also appreciate it if you would share the podcast or a favorite episode with friends or on social media. In coming weeks, I'll be making an announcement about the Unfuck Your Fridge Challenge to help you adopt a better eating lifestyle and improve your health. Also, please contact me if, like many people during the pandemic, you have written a book and are looking for editing or proofreading services to ensure that it goes to press perfectly written without typos, misspellings, and grammatical errors. Nothing destroys your book credibility more than poor writing and editing. As many of you know, I was the editor for David's last couple of books, and I was very proud of getting those out to press, looking absolutely perfect for all of you readers. Until next time, get your vaccination so we can all get back to the people and doing the things that we love, and always be positive. Positive.